G'day and welcome back to Wall of Sound Up Against the Wall. My name is Brownie and I'm your podcast host and this is the Good Things Festival 2019 preview. We are just under a month away from the East Coast event heading up the coast of Australia and we're going to see a plethora of great bands taking part in this festival including some making their very first Australian debut as well. Now, coming up over the course of this podcast, I'm going to fill you in on everything you need to know that's up to date right now involving the festival, including sideshows, the band competition so your band can play too, and get you up close and personal with three of the acts on the lineup. I'm going to be chatting to Rao from Anti Shikari. Spencer from Ice Nine Kills and the legendary Matt Heafy from Trivium. We're going to talk about their set list, what they've been up to and what the future holds for the bands as well. On top of that, the whole playlist features bands on the lineup so you might come across something you never thought you would want to go and check out and after hearing that song, you might want to go lock them in on your day. All that more still to come on this episode but right now, let's officially kick it off with these guys here. This is Falling in Reverse with Drugs on Wall of Sound Up Against the Wall, the Good Things Festival Preview. Cause everybody's on track
against the wall with Brownie. single for simple plan it's called where i belong and wall of sound up against the wall let's kick off the interviews with this bloke here all right this is ralph from shikari you're listening to wall of sound up against the wall stop the clocks 
It's been a couple of years since they graced our shores and I didn't think it was going to happen. However, they're on Good Things Festival and I am stoked to have a chat to Rao from Enter Shikari. Mate, welcome back. Thank you so much. Didn't think it was going to happen. Didn't think it was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we, we, you can't keep us away from Australia for too long. I know it's been two years, which feels like too long, especially for us. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're buzzing to come back. Well, let me explain this reasoning behind this. I was supposed to have a chat with you for The Spark when the album came out, but I was stuck overseas and it didn't end up happening. But I was actually petrified we weren't going to see this incredible album performed in Australia. What was the hold up and why did it take so long to get here? There, uh, there's, we've got no excuse, to be honest. Like, it just didn't seem to fit at any point. I, I think mainly, I guess, when you're a sort of environmentally conscious band, you want to make sure that your touring route is like as uh, as kind of least carbon intensive as possible. So yeah. we want to kind of work in Australia when we're perhaps over in Malaysia or something, or we're, when we're going to India, we can then go on to show and just make it all sort of work and route properly um, and unfortunately it just hasn't happened and so now we just sort of, oh fuck it well it's been too long we've got to just come back <laughs> and luckily we got this uh, this good things festival to, uh, to come and accommodate us yeah look I'm glad it's actually happening because we need to talk about that incredible album I know you put a tweet out a couple of weeks back that said the spark era is over but I'm not letting you give up on it yet until I talk about how amazing this was first of all <laughs> Congratulations. This is one of the first Shikari albums that made me shed tears. Oh, yes. Excellent. I feel like that's my job now. My <laughs> job description is making grown men cry. <laughs> well, you're doing a bang-up job of it, and I have to say that the reasoning behind that was because of the song An Ode to Jigsaw Pieces. Um, an incredibly heartfelt story behind this, and, and the way that you turned that legacy of your grandparent into this song was just... So moving, so much so that I related it to my relationship with my grandparents who sadly passed away over a decade ago. And it was amazing that you could hear this song and your emotion and what you went through and relate it to my own personal stories. And it was just such a great release, so much so. I think I had it in like my top 10 uh, songs of the entire year. So well done to you for that. Oh, brilliant. No, thank you so much. That, that, that's one of the, you know, the, the, the best things about music when, when someone can take it and put in sort of inject their own life and their own experiences into the music and make the music their own that you know that couldn't ask for for more it's amazing it's incredible to see you know where you guys have come from like my first introduction to enter shikari was sorry you're not a winner and then to hear like all of the songs that were on the spark like it's hard to believe that you guys are the same band but you know progression happens bands get older members get older and you mature over years and you start writing more personal stuff as opposed to party jams is that kind of like nailing the the nail on the head, so to say. Um, I, I, I mean, I think for us, we we're just kind of so fidgety, we're sort of so relentlessly progressive. I don't think, you know, for all the the, the sort of percentage of people out there that want to hear sort of the first album of a band over and over again, and want to hear, you know, the, an, an exact specific type of music. I actually don't think they really do. <laughs> I think no one wants to see a, a, a band sort of play music that they're not intensely honestly passionate about and um you know it's impossible to keep writing exactly the same music and be honestly passionate about it for over 10 years um so yeah i i think for us it's just it's all about the honesty it's all about the intensity 
and just making sure we're progressive. I, I mean, making sure isn't isn't the right phrase to use as well because for us, it's just it's so innate to to what Shikari is. It's just it's all about uh, discovery. It's all about you know keeping things uh, moving forward. Well, what's one of the the most incredible things that you discovered about yourself with this progression with the band and and this self discovery? I guess you could say you've had. Oh, so much. I mean, like you know, the band is my life. So, like in terms of personal things, like the the amount of things that Shikari has, uh, well, not only helped me discover about myself, but also it's kind of pushed me into areas of great discomfort as well and and great pain. Um, but it, in in doing that, you then learn more about yourself as well. So it, there's this whole scope of, of of things that it's it's helped me with. I mean, it's certainly things like confidence and social anxiety and stuff like that it's, it's helped me discover a great deal about myself and in, in terms of like your 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 physical possibilities as well do you know what i mean like how much you can push your body before you just absolutely <laughs> collapse um and i think being in a you know full-time touring band definitely uh gives you uh, gives you a bit of that and on a bit of a, a light-hearted note it actually makes you realize that you can rock a sweet sweet mullet later on in life as opposed to a child growing up <laughs> i mean i i've definitely had some questionable hairstyles throughout my life <laughs> that, that's not even the worst <laughs> well look, you can back it up with great talent and great music we're going to get on the latest single right now and we'll talk about this in a second and we'll find out what it's all about and what shikari are doing moving forward but right now let's check out stop the clocks on wall of sound up against the wall <laughs> Yeah. 
single for Anti Shikari. It's called Stop the Clocks on Wall of Sound up against the wall. They are heading down under for Good Things Festival December 6 to 8. Rao, this is the first taste of new music for Anti Shikari. Is this kind of an inkling of what we can expect with this next album that's coming about? I love answering this question. Absolutely not. <laughs> this was written very much as its own sort of thing. It, the idea was there during writing The Spark. So for us, it feels like it's more like the end of the spark era or sort of the, you know the final full stop from that sort of time rather than the beginning of, of the new stuff the new stuff um although it is still in the early stages with some kind of i'm just over the what i call the you know the initial stage one which is just pure anxiety just standing at the foot of the mountain thinking oh my god we've got to write a whole new album it's quite an imposing disorientating time but i think the it's sounding at the moment kind of completely different again um so yeah but that you know that's us <laughs> that's what we're just talking about but. yeah always changing things up and, and the thing about that song as well like I'm, I'm glad that you said it was kind of like a, a wrapping up of the last album because it's such a vibrant upbeat fun happy kind of feeling song that kind of thing and like you look back through previous albums that you guys have put out you know you can even go back as far as the, the mind sweep like that was a lot angry and, and tension filled and this one seemed a bit more emotional and like in touch with your feelings and all that are you sort of at that point now where you're like okay well we can put out an album and, and have a different theme for each one or, or a different feeling for each one or is it kind of the same thing the whole way through we just don't see it up close through the, the songs I, that didn't make any sense at all but I hope you can get something from that <laughs> yeah no I think I know what you mean I think for us um, each album will definitely have a, a sort of maybe not even as concrete as a theme but it'll just have a, a, an atmosphere you know it'll be the a, a year in the life of really so you know different things happen to to us all uh, every year and we experience different things and we we enjoy new experiences and it, it all comes out in the the music um i think there's hopefully there's always sort of a common uh, sort of thread running through the whole string of, of, of albums and it always sounds like us but yeah certainly there it's always going to be kind of delving into different aspects of life and getting things yeah, progressive. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, different albums come from different times of your life. Obviously, you know, that's a, a normal staple for making an album. But just to sort of 
pull in my own personal experiences for a quick second. I, I've been through like a couple of years of shit, and I found myself listening to a lot of heavy emotive music during that point. However, at this point in time, like I, I'm really happy with life and the way that everything's going, and I'm finding myself like resonating and leaning towards a lot more happier, upbeat, poppy, pop punky kind of songs. Like, does that sort of represent, you know, with the last album that you guys were a lot happier than what you were a couple of years beforehand? Um, well, the spark's a weird one because it, it was written during pretty much my most difficult year of, of, of existence, and in, you know, in terms of everything happening at once, you know, as, as you mentioned, um, jigsaw pieces of the, about the, the death of uh, my last surviving uh, grandparent, and I had a, a relationship finish that had been a, a very you know, long-term, stable part of my life. All sorts of other things were, were going on with my mental health and. Obviously, this was this was back in sort of 2015, 2016, yeah. when the world was just uh, discovering Donald Trump as a president and Brexit <laughs> was just starting. So it was just a it was a completely tumultuous, very odd time with just you know the, the unexpected happening, bang, 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 like quick quick fire after one after another. Um, so the, lyrically, yeah, there's a lot of kind of dark and somber themes on the spark but strangely a lot of i mean not all of it but like a, a fair bulk of the album is as you say quite upbeat and i think you know it, it's interesting looking back on these these things because i perhaps didn't know it at the time but i think there was a sort of a hope when we would eventually come to play these songs um i would be in a in a better place you know a year down the line when after we'd wrote and recorded them the album was out and we were touring them i'd be able to enjoy the upbeat nature of the songs um, and, and immerse myself in that more positive energy whilst, you know, still addressing important subjects that, you know, especially as a, a as a man in the 21st century, it's ridiculous that you, it's still sort of a bit wild or, you know, a bit out there to be able to, to address, you know, various emotions and vulnerabilities that often society sort of uh, persuades young men that, that, that they shouldn't address. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah. It was, it was kind of a, it's a strange sort of paradox, but that, I think that's something that's happened, you know, a lot of our inspirations come from post-punk and the 1980s and a lot of that sort of alternative side of music. It was, you know, it, in a way it was pop music, it was it was alt-pop, but one of the main differentiations is that the, the, the lyrics meant something. It, it wasn't just yes. kind of bubblegum pop that it was just throwaway, meaningless, soulless stuff that was just there to hopefully top the charts it was it was real emotive stuff but done with a fucking melody you know so it's uh and that 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 era has been just uh, a main inspiration for us so with the spark i think that was our it felt like our post-punk moment Look, I think you've nailed it right then and there. We'll wrap up with that. I mean, you guys are making music that can be taken to a mainstream audience or, or market. This can be played on Top 40 Radio, but the songs actually mean something. It's not just the repetitive pop bullshit over and over again, churning through artists after artists. Like, you guys have a great sound behind you, a great purpose, a great message, and more people need to hear this going forward. So I hope that, you know, the world jumps on into Shikari and what you guys do next, because let's face it, you guys have the ability to take over the world and change them with your opinions and and your mentality so let's see more of that in future absolutely man yeah it uh, feels like a, an absolute you know honor to be able to use music to create these communities and to kind of help people discover things about themselves or, or whatever it is so it's, yeah feel very happy and, and lucky that we're able to 
to still do this. Beautiful. Well, we're going to be very happy with the fact that we get to hear songs off the Spark Down Under for Good Things Festival, December 6 to 8, up the East Coast. Rao from Enter Shikari, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, man. I'll see you soon.
The boys from Enter Shikari on Wall of Sound up against the wall. And not only are they playing the Good Things Festival, but they're also doing a sideshow in Melbourne, which is taking place on Thursday, December 5 at the Croxton Band Room. And they're not the only ones doing some sideshows for the festival. Ice Nine Kills are also doing a couple of shows, one in Sydney, one in Melbourne. Real Big Fish, you can catch them in Melbourne and Sydney as well too. Trivium are going to be playing a sideshow on Wednesday, December 4 in Canberra. And Simple Plan are going to be playing at the Gold Coast and Adelaide after the festival finishes. Now, if you prefer your music a little bit on the heavier side, you can go check out Thy Art is Murder doing a tour with Gravemind. They're playing in Adelaide and Perth after the festival takes place and uh, giving back to the fans who didn't get the chance to see them when they played their East Coast tour earlier this year. But the big one I'm looking forward to is Poppy. Not only is she making her Australian debut at Good Things Festival, but she's making her Australian headline show debut in Melbourne just a couple of days out from the event. She'll be performing at Stay Gold on Wednesday, December 4. And if you haven't got involved with the world of Poppy as of yet, she's kind of doing something weird and wacky, combining pop with heavy music together, and it just seems to work. So much so, she's toured with the likes of Bring Me The Horizon, and she's also featured Fever 333 on one of her songs as well. For all the details on that show or any of the sideshows, all you need to do is head to wallofsoundau.com and just type in Good Things Festival. Especially if you want to go check out anything involving the festival, look for our rolling coverage. It's got everything announced so far for the event, so you don't have to trawl around the internet trying to find information. But right now, let's get this on to celebrate Poppy's debut in Australia. This is her song, I Disagree, from the album of the same name coming out next year. On Wall of Sound, Up Against the Wall.
This is Liam from Wind Waker, and you're listening to Wall of Sound up against the wall.
if I couldn't include those blokes there. Wind Waker and Wall of Sound up against the wall. They are doing big things in Australia's upcoming heavy music scene and definitely a band you might want to check out at the event too. But right now, let's get into these guys who are also making their debut at the festival and a couple of side shows. Hey, this is Spencer from Ice Nine Kills and you're listening to Wall of Sound up against the wall. I'm bloody stoked to finally get this guy on the podcast. I've fallen in love with Ice Nine Kills, and we finally get to see them down in Australia. Please welcome to the show Spencer Charnis from the band Mate Welcome. Thank you for having me, man. It's a pleasure. It's been a long time coming. Ice Nine Kills have been around for quite a bit of time, but this is your first Australian visit. Now, much like when we had a chat with New Year's Day, who you're close with as well, is it just a situation of you didn't have much of a, a following down here to warrant a trip down here, or what, what's taken so long to get here? I think we just never really got the opportunity, uh, but you know, with the success of the last couple albums and really uh, branching out and gaining a, a larger fan base in the realm of not only rock but in, in the world of horror, uh, it, it's uh, finally come to fruition, and uh, we couldn't be more excited. Look, the last album that you put out is absolutely fucking fantastic. And, like, if anyone hasn't jumped on this yet, they need to give themselves an uppercut. Uh, the Silver Screen was incredible. You combined heavy music with my other passion, which is horror movies, slasher flicks. And it's such an incredible idea that hopefully you gain more fans because of that crossover itself. Like, congratulations. That was a fucking amazing album. Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate that. And uh, one of the cool things about the album is that you know, people that might have not liked horror who liked metal have told us that they got into the horror genre because of the album. And uh, that, you know, that means a lot to me. So I'm glad you enjoyed it, too. Awesome. And it's good to have that crossover as well, too. One liking one and then getting into the other, that kind of thing. But the thing that's always intrigued me about this album itself is how do you write a song based upon a movie? Like, what's the concept of writing, let's say, for example, uh, Stabbing in the Dark, which is obviously about the Halloween series. In your head, how do you go, right, here's a movie, let me turn that into a song? Yeah, so usually the process goes, I'll sit down at a piano or with my guitar and I'll just sort of experiment. You know, I know that, hey, I want to write this song about Michael Myers. I want to touch on the feeling of John Carpenter's score and the textures that he used and that very simple yet haunting piano that, that, you know, is so iconic uh, that, you know, when when you play those few notes, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, you know, you don't even have to know hard to know something bad is coming. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, usually that's the process, and I'll record a piece of music, you know, in very primitive software like a garage band, and then start putting melodies over it. And then once I have something that's um, sort of a, a fleshed-out idea, then go back and put the lyrics down. But I was very conscious when doing this record of knowing what parts, hey, you know, I I want this part in the beginning of Stabbing the Dark to evoke the feeling like he's breaking out of the mental asylum. So I want uh, an alarm to to sound like it's going off here. And uh, was very meticulous about using and homaging very iconic moments from those films and then putting my own spin on it, you know. There's a police 
uh, voiceover part that happened happened in Stabbing in the Dark, and a lot of people said, oh, you know, that maybe weren't so familiar with Halloween, like, oh, that's right from the movie? And, uh, no, that yeah. was something that I just wrote uh, as my own sort of uh, homage to that film and mixed it in with the stuff that's memorable. And even taking textures from, you know, Halloween 2 uh, that, you know, they play uh, Mr. Sandman, uh, that song that eventually became synonymous with the series, and, and tying that mallet in the end before the choruses. And uh, it's just a lot of fun putting those songs together. I would love to pick your brain about this one day because I've grown up with these movies. Like, I, my favourite movie as a kid was uh, Jaws 2. I took that to preschool and I couldn't understand why they wouldn't allow me to let the kids watch it for movie day. And from there, like, Scream is my ultimate top three movie of all time. And the fact that you guys have a song about that now, it, it just makes me fall in love with you. And the fact that you can do this in such an articulate way, it's more than just writing a heavy song about, uh, about this movie. Like, the way you go into depth about it is just insane. So I would love to, you know, take your brain out of your head for a day just to see how you think. Well, thank you. That's very flattering. And anytime I hear people appreciate uh, the, the amount of detail we put into it, it just reminds me that, you know, uh, all of the all of the work that we put in is not, you know, in vain. And uh, So thank you for that. Now, in regards to coming down under for these shows with Good Things Festival, December 6 to 8, it's a debut performance, but it's a music festival performance. How will you guys decide what's going to be beneficial for you to get that reaction from the fans? Will, will you play a whole lot of songs from the new album or, you know, the Silver Scream Deluxe Edition, or are you just going to go back into the back catalogs and pick all the bangers that people know and love? I think, you know, for us, it's our first time in Australia, so I'm not really sure uh, what people are familiar with. But I, you know, if, if touring in Europe is any indication, people really like the last two albums. So the the set list will probably be comprised mainly of uh, a lot of Silver Scream and you know the new song um, Your Numbers Up, as well as some choice cuts from Every Trick in the Book, the previous album. Excellent. So it's a situation of like, if you've just got into Ice Nine Kills, now is going to be the perfect opportunity for you to catch you guys at these shows in Australia. Exactly. Now, when you're down here, have you come down for a holiday before or is this your first time? No, that's part of the reason why it's so exciting. I've I've never been to Australia. I've always wanted to go. So this will be my first trip to Australia at all. And so to come there and be playing is even more of an exciting factor. You know, obviously the, the stereotypical thing, let, let's bring it out. Like when you come to Australia, people are like, you got to get a photo with a koala, you got to go see the Sydney Opera House, that kind of thing. Is that what you've sort of got lined up to do or do you want to do a couple of like off the track kind of things? I want to meet Chris Lilly and go to a Silverchair concert. <laughs> well, Chris Lilly should be easy to find, but Silverchair, they've been broken up for years and there's no way in hell they're going to get back together anytime soon. Ah, oh, damn it. I'll see if I'll see if I could find Daniel Johns. Maybe maybe he's hanging out at the festival. Well, that could be the idea. He pops up at, at shows every now and then, so you've got that. But another suggestion I've got is why don't you go check out the Belangelo Forest, which is you know obviously where all those murders were committed with Ivan Milat. Would you go visit a, a you know a place like that to get inspiration to write a song? Oh, absolutely. I uh, really take great pride in adding authenticity what we do and even some of the tracks on the silver screen i recorded some of the vocals at locations where the the movies were filmed uh, for halloween i did that at the michael myers house and for the nightmare on elm street song i did uh, some tracking at the 
1428 Elm Street, which is also just all located in the Los Angeles area. I, I absolutely love doing stuff like that. Alright, so in regards to new music, obviously, you know, this album's come out, you're still on the touring cycle for this and the, the deluxe edition so we can get a bit more and a couple of varied styles with acoustic songs. Like, what's next for the band? Would you would you consider doing a Silver Scream 2.0 or is it just that concept's done, time to work on something new? I think that I'm still sort of thinking about exactly where I want to go with everything. A lot of people are calling for a sequel in, you know, in true horror fashion that, you know, that, that usually happens. But I want to make sure if we do that, that it's a fresh take on, on it and uh, it's a fresh cut, no pun intended, or pun intended. <laughs> You've got it all planned out, which is so bloody good. Before we wrap things up, we need to talk about the, the master and legend that is Wes Craven. Obviously, he's such an iconic identity in the horror slasher thriller movie scene and all that, and so much so that you've taken inspiration and put him into your song, Your Numbers Up, as well. Like, What was this guy to you, and, and how did he inspire you to become the, the musician you are and, and to write these songs on this latest album? Yeah, I mean, with Wes Craven, creating one horror icon that people know all over the world is you know, one in a billion. So the fact that he was able to do that twice with Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on Elm Street, and then again uh, in the next decade with Scream and Ghostface, I think is a real testament to his artistic vision. And uh, he's always been a huge influence to me, not just um, as far as a visual storyteller, but also the story surrounding uh, how Nightmare on Elm Street became what it was, always sort of mirrored my spirit in the sense of not giving up with my dream. No pun intended there. But basically what happened was when they were creating and, and pitching Nightmare on Elm Street, they got turned down by every single major studio. You know, Paramount, who famously had the Friday the 13th franchise, told Wes Craven that, you know, no one is interested in films about dreams. So he had to go out and find other financing from a very small company at the time and made the film. And that company was New Line Cinema, which, you know, obviously we know how that story ended. They went on to become one of the biggest studios in history with, you know, films like Lord of the Rings, which have grossed, you know, billions of dollars. Yeah. So the fact that he was turned down at every, uh, every turn and didn't give up uh, when people said he was crazy sort of mirrored uh, the way I looked at my career and, and not giving up in, in the face of adversity. And uh, I just very much respect him and was fortunate enough to meet him before uh, his untimely passing. And I've got to tell him how uh, fantastic I thought his work was. And I still, one of my most prized possessions is my signed Wes Craven ghost face mask. Oh, mate. Uh, you, you shouldn't have told me that now, because if I ever find out where you live, I'm breaking into your house and I'm flogging that. That is amazing. <laughs> I'll lock up tight. <laughs> All right, mate, we can't wait to have you guys down here. Ice Nine Kills are on the rise in Australia. It's taken you a bit of time to get here. Good Things Festival is where you can catch these debut shows, and then hopefully after that we see you guys back down under again for a couple more shows after that. Spencer, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking the time out. Thank you, man. I really enjoyed it. Hopefully we see you very soon. Tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. My name? Oh, what? 
They are just murder, death, squad anthem, and wall of sound up against the wall. And if you want to play alongside those legends or any of the other bands on the festival, then this is what you need to do. Good Things Festival are looking for bands in each state who are going to win the opportunity to play at the festival. All you need to do is get your band in and get fans voting for you. How you do it is you head to the website and check out the page for what you need to do to register your band to play. What you do then is create an account, fill out all the information you need for your band, and then get people to start voting. Now the way this works after that is the top four bands from each city, Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane, with the most votes will be invited to play a showcase for industry professionals. Now from there, one artist per city will win the opportunity to play at Good Things Festival. Sounds simple? Well that's because it is. Get your band in right now because fan voting closes on Sunday November 17 at 6pm. And who knows, you could be the next band to be announced for the Good Things Festival lineup, playing alongside Violent Soho, Bad Religion, Parkway, A Day to Remember, and even these legends as well. This is Gravemind with Volgan on Wall of Sound up against the wall. <laughs>
up? This is Winston McCall from Parkway Drive. You're listening to Wall of Sound up against the wall. Woo!
you, like me, love Parkway Drive so much, you need to check them out at Good Things Festival, headlining their first Australian touring music festival. We've seen what these boys are capable of over the past couple of years, and especially with their most recent European headline slots and festivals over there too, all of which you'll be able to check out in their forthcoming movie, Viva the Underdogs, which just got announced last week. It's hitting cinemas for one night only January next year. For all the details, you can find out more at wallofsoundau.com. Just search for Parkway Drive. But if you like your metal turned up to 11, you need to go check out these guys on the day. What's up? This is Mass and Trivium, and you're listening to Wall of Sound up against the wall. It's been three long years since we last saw Trivium on our shores and they are returning for the Good Things Festival, kicking off December 6th in Melbourne, heading up the East Coast. Matt Heafy from Trivium joins me now. Mate, welcome back and uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm very happy to be talking to you as we are Twitter pals. It's great to hear from you. We certainly are. Like, I, I go around and I tell everyone how cool it is and how Twitter brings people together and all of that. And, like, the day you followed me, I had to hold back the fanboy in me to not freak out. But, mate, it's... Oh, it's, dude. You have great banter. Oh, man. Feeling is mutual. The feeling is mutual. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy getting back. It's just, I'm bummed it's so quick. You know, I'm really excited that this festival. The lineup looks incredible. Australia's one of our favorite places in the world, one of the best countries for our band. But it's quick, man. Three shows in a row, uh, which I'm pretty surprised about. I was hoping it was the classic big day out style where we play a show, have five days off, play a show, have five days off. Yeah. That was like our first introduction to the country. So that was so good because we would just sightsee and eat and hang out. And you know, with, with me saying Australia's one of my favorite countries in the world, I really mean it. My favorite restaurant, actually Trivium's favorite restaurant in the world is in Melbourne, Australia. It's called Chin Chin, um, and all my other top favorite restaurants and top favorite things to do in the world are all in Australia, particularly in Melbourne, so I'm very excited. It at least starts there, so maybe we can get there early and enjoy Australia a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say that'd be the case, like trying to hook up some flights so you can actually enjoy yourself, because like gone are the days of, you know, like you said, big day out and Soundwave, the touring festivals around the country. Like Now we get something like Good Things, which luckily for us in Brisbane, it goes up the East Coast so we don't get neglected, but... How are you guys going to fit in, like, the history and obviously the sin and the sentence, which we haven't seen played down in Australia yet? How are you going to do that in your set list? It depends. I don't know how long our set is yet. I imagine with being a festival, probably somewhere between 40 and 60 minutes. With having eight records now, it's really, really hard to pick a set. But what's really been interesting and cool about our band is we have different sets different factions of fans that each of the Trivium records is their favorite and no one can seem to ever agree upon an order. You know, if you asked before Sin came out, if you asked the fan to list their favorite Trivium records in order, it would be a different answer every single kid. Yeah. What's great about Sin is Sin is a record that everyone can agree on, finally. So if it's like a Shogun fan, they like Sin a lot. If it's a Crusade fan, they like Sin a lot. If it's a Ascendancy fan, they like Sin a lot. If it's an Inways fan, they like Sin a lot. So this has definitely been our, I'd say, most successful record. Not necessarily in like album sales but as a collective of the band growth and where we're at as a band in our history so i would say that with sin we've seen you know a new height that we've ever seen before so we'll, we've been playing a lot of the sin stuff live and it's been going so well i think we've played everything live except for the one song except for revanche 
and maybe one of some, but all I can think of is Rapacious. So that's a really good sign of a great record because not calling out other ones not great, but there are yeah. songs that we've never played and we might never play live. But with Sin, it's like, there's no question, we have to hit everything. Well, that's the thing as well, too. Like, I've been listening to Trivium on and off throughout the years as well, and reviewing albums throughout my entire career in the music industry, The Sin in the Sentence was the very first album I gave a perfect score, 10 out of 10, because there was something about it. Like, I was in a shitty mood one day, and I finished off the review, and it actually put me in a much better mood after listening to it so it's got that power and it's resonating with fans young and old and also bringing in the new people who have wanted to check out Trivium but haven't had that opportunity to do so yet yeah, that's awesome thank you so much for that review yeah because it's like what's interesting with every country around the world is every country has a different record that's the most successful and oddly with Australia it's Shogun Shogun has done better in Australia than anywhere else it's done in the world whereas the UK is ascendancy America uh, I think it's Sin Germany it's in waves yeah. so it's like it's something different in every country um, so I think that the Australian fans who are in love with Shogun are going to be very happy with Sin because I feel like there's elements of all seven previous records That's it. in the Sin in the Sentence. Whereas other records, I've been really happy with taking such bold, like bold moves and making a different record every time. Because when we're, you know, when we're before we we're in a band, we all had very diverse tastes, different favorite bands, loved every genre, loved every subgenre. So when we were in Trivium, we always try to make the kind of music that we feel like is missing, that we feel like we want to hear as fans of music. And I feel like that's why everything has been so different. That's why from Ascendancy to Crusade, no matter how successful Ascendancy was, we wanted to make the polar opposite because we felt like we already did this and every other band is already doing this style now too. Everyone else has screaming, everyone else has breakdowns and solos. Let's do the opposite. Let's make a record that has no screaming and no breakdowns and no double bass. And then, obviously, when Waves came out, let's make something that's simple and super heavy. And then Sin is everything. Sin is simple and catchy. It's brutal and technical and slow and fast and singing and screaming and everything. And we like to just have everything. So, you know, there's no plans for anything. I'm sure that's a question coming out There's no plans for anything right now. But judging by the way Sin went, we seem to be happiest when we put everything in our sound. So we're going to do the same thing. You know, whenever... In the future, in a couple of years, year two, three, when we start doing another record, it'll have everything because we just like to have everything and our fans like to have everything. And look, that's the thing I absolutely love about Trivium. I mean, with, with you guys growing up and, you know, sharing all those old photos of when the band first started out, like you guys are metalheads who started a metal band who have now become like pioneers and, and, and people with, involved in the heavy metal community. But you're still fans at the end of the day. That's it. It doesn't matter how big your band gets. Oh, yeah. You're still metal fans. Absolutely. And we're playing with one of my favorite bands in the world on good things, Byrd's Murder. You know, I've, I've been listening to nothing but them and Fit for Nautasky for the last couple of weeks. Like, you know, big thing we always push, we always talk about our favorite bands. Yeah, and we're always yeah. diving through everything and finding new favorite bands. Man, the newest I art is one of the things that I have to listen to before I go to Jiu Jitsu. And I can't wait for the new Fit for Nautasky comes out. Um, been really jamming out to Knock Loose a lot. Ice Nine Kills is incredible. Fuck um, yes. There's just so many incredible new bands out. And, and not even new, because I mean, that has been around for a while. And Fit for Not has been, been around for a while. But bands doing new, interesting things and just really taking chances and, and doing some incredible things that remind people like me. Like you said, I'm still a fan of bands. I still geek out over bands. Uh, we're watching King Diamond with Emperor. We snuck in a bunch of beers to the front of house and watched <laughs> it all together. And as Emperor... As us and Emperor are all singing at the top of our lungs along to King Diamond. So we're all still fans of what we do. That's what fans need to recognize. Because I do see, and you've seen it, we've all seen it. We see these band guys that say, I haven't listened to anything since 1980-something. And it's like, that's that's not cool. That that doesn't 
that doesn't encourage the growth of bands. You know, when one band does well in the heavy scene, all bands do well in the heavy scene. It's our responsibility for bands that have a fan base to spread spread the love. You know, show our fans some new bands. Show our fans our favorite bands. Show show them something. Yeah, to keep it all alive. Essentially, pay it forward to to all these other bands that are upcoming, and you not 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 even just the ones who are upcoming. Just show your fans what inspires you, what what you were listening to when you were at their level. Exactly, because I think there's bands and styles of music I don't like. But I love heavy music, so I want people to be listening to heavy music. And I want, if I can turn someone into a metalhead or show someone a metalcore band that they might love, you know, I'd rather them get into that than something that, that has enough fans already. Like I feel like our genres need to expose ourselves to as many people as we can because we're not going to get everybody. And that's that's also one of the cool things about heavy music. It's not meant for everybody, but I think it's at least our responsibility to get the word out, show people what they can get into, and then hopefully we've got some people that end up buying some metal shirts and then showing up to our shows and maybe turning turning them into lifelong fans. That's exactly it. Now, on that topic as well of turning people into metal fans, you became a dad recently to twins. Congratulations for that. On the back of that as well, I wanted to ask a question, like, will they be raised listening to heavy music? already are um when we were leaving the hospital um i already had the new architects record on <laughs> uh, yeah they're they're already listening to heavy music yes you know every day i'm a full-time band guy full-time dad but also full-time streamer so monday through friday i've got my four to six hours a day where i'm practicing you know what i stream primarily is music so it's me staying in shape for tour and so it's just me singing screaming and playing guitar all day and then they hear it they come into the room my son Akira has been actually copying my vocal cool down noises. Like he knows exactly what time I'm supposed to stop. And you hear him start going, like doing the same cool down as me. It's pretty fun. Oh, that's awesome. It's it's great because I, I myself have a three-year-old turning four years old. And like his favorite band is A Day to Remember. So like it's great that we're being part of this whole movement to, to get the kids into this heavy music at such an early age. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, you got to. Like, I mean... My dad, I don't think he started having metal playing in the background, but he's always been into metal bands, but he would always have like Boston and Van Halen and Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and Queen playing. So that that good influence kind of got me into it. But yeah, we'll have super heavy music on in the car while we're driving. My wife and I are like, we're not playing mindless baby music for these kids. We'll show them stuff that's like, you know, stuff that's easy to digest here and there, but also heavy stuff. And it's all about exposing them to, the, to good music. You know, I feel like it's my responsibility to make sure my kids, you know, if they don't like it as their adults, sure, we're, we're all about them making their own decisions. Yeah. But I'm at least going to show them what they can like and what I think is great. That's like, It's like instead of playing them like a baby geniuses tape where you, you hear like, you know, really smart people talking, you, you check on Devin Townsend and that's like the smart version of metal. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I play a lot of classical music in the house too because that's something I listen to a lot. Like I'm, I'm pretty obsessed with classical music, but I love it because I feel like it's the only living relative, or metal is the only living relative to classical music because it requires technicality, it requires musicianship, has a lot of notes. Pop is nothing like classical music, whereas metal absolutely is. Well, mate, we've covered a plethora of stuff in this conversation here, and we can't wait to see more of you when you get down here. Finally, Trivium making their return to Australia for Good Things Festival. Get your tickets right now. Matt, we'll see you very soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Great to finally talk to you. Bells calling out my name. I knew I'd never see another day. I 
couldn't swim against the tides of blame I knew there was no other way
everyone, this is Scotty, and you are listening to Wall of Sound, Up Against the Wall. Damn Things are finally making their return to Australia for Good Things Festival 2019. They were last here for Counter Revolution. You might remember that was the Soundwave Revolution offcut once that finally got, uh, unfortunately, axed in the end. They put on a great show back then, and I'm keen to see what they do, especially with their new album, High Crimes. It came out earlier on this year. At the point when it got released, it was my favourite album of the year, and uh, I'm keen to see these guys take to the stage once again, and hopefully you will find yourself a new favourite 
favourite band to froth over. Good Things Festival is taking place December 6th through until December 8th, and you can get your tickets right now through goodthingsfestival.com.au. You do not want to miss out on this, the first music festival to kick off our festival season. The best thing about our festival season right now is we are absolutely spoilt for choice again. There was a couple of years back there where, you know, we didn't have anything. It was such a scary time, and now we've got this, we need to support it. We need to show up and prove this is something that we want to get behind and support. So grab your mates, get your tickets, and go have yourself a bloody good time. But that's the end of this week's podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. Don't forget to give it a like, subscribe, share it around, tag your mates, tell them all about it, and uh, I'll catch you very soon. But before we get out of here today, I want to officially leave you with this. Now, there's a lot of talk out there for the Veronica's Mosh Pit. Now, we do know that they're going to be playing Good Things Festival, and everyone is so psyched and keen to see what they have to offer. But I wanted to talk to you about this proper song to do a wall of death in. Don't get me wrong, Untouched by the Veronica's is a great track, but there's no real stop-down point where you have the opportunity to get yourselves ready for a breakdown and a potential wall of death. The song you need to do it for is Forever, and I can guarantee you, you are going to see me smack bang in the middle of that mosh pit in both Melbourne and Sydney, preparing myself for what's to come with this song. So, I know there's a bunch of people out there who want to do a wall of death for Untouched. You know, that's good if you want to do it, but if you want the real reaction and the best possible song to do it for, you've got to do it for this one here. This is the Veronica's Forever. And wall of sound up against the wall. My name is Brownie. I'll catch you at good things. <laughs> <laughs>